Are you a music school owner looking to scale your program from just a handful of teachers to a highly profitable, well-organized, and mission-driven company? Well, I'm Nate Shaw, co-founder of the Brooklyn Music Factory. And I'm Daniel Patterson, founder of Grow Your Music Studio. And we're here to help you discover a proven pathway to sustainable growth in your music school. So get ready to take your passion for music education and scale it to a seven-figure music school. Welcome back, everyone. It has been a little while since Nate and I have been invited into your podcast space. We've, uh, I, I would say that we've just gotten back from our summer break, but the truth is, is that we actually recorded this before the break so that we could hit August strong and bring you a really great episode on how to start your school year right. So, um, I, I would, Nate, I was going to jokingly ask you, how was your summer break? But maybe I should ask you, since we're recording it before your summer break, do you anticipate this going to be great? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I am doing my countdown to when I'm going up to our island in Maine. So I anticipate that I'll be taking lovely three-hour walks at the crack of dawn in northern that, Maine. So I'm anticipating that it's going to be great. That's awesome. Well, Nate, when you and I were talking about how we wanted to open the second season of the podcast, we really wanted to come out with a strong episode, a useful episode. And since this is going to be released at the beginning of August, I think this is a great time to talk about school year, um, how to plan it out, how to uh, make this potentially your best uh, year ever in your studio. And so we talked about what are the kinds of things that you and I did in our own respective studios of obviously differing sizes, um, different missions, different values. Um, what are things that we did that ensured a really great school year? And I think we've come up with some really fantastic ideas here, but these aren't necessarily original. These are lived out concepts. These are things that we actually do or did, um, things that that we have a lot of experience that we want to share with you. So I'm really excited about this one, Nate. And um, maybe we should just jump into it. Yeah, let's jump in. And, and you know, for, for our listeners, it's um, they're anticipating the school year. And what's fascinating, I think, is that oftentimes we think the school year is further off than it is, right? Like we're recording this and we're literally getting it to the end of the spring season at Brooklyn Music Factory and I think as we mature as studio owners, we're actually already looking forward to the fall, the, the launch of the next season, mm -hmm. having just had some awesome version of summer at our school. Um, so anyways, it, it's never too early, actually, to anticipate and to plan. So I just want to say that now. So for those that might be catching this episode early August, thinking, ah, I still got five or six weeks before any new students show up in the fall. No, no, no. Let's jump in and try to grab a couple of these five tips we're going to give um, and see which ones you can implement this year. Okay. Yeah. So let's jump into the first one, Nate. What did you, uh, what did you put down as our first um, idea, our first way to prepare for a really great school year? Yeah. So number one is being really clear yourself on what the vision of success for the school year looks like. Yeah. Uh, so we were talking before we hit record that I found a lot of resistance in in people I've worked with over the years when, as you referenced, I found a lot of resistance when people think things are too nebulous, like, oh, I don't need a mindset training. I don't, I don't need something on vision. 
And then I think there's another class of people that they hear the word vision and their eyes go glassy and, and they feel all locked up because they think it needs to be this massive uh, mission statement document. Right. <laughs> Here's an example. This is what I did in my simple group studio that had about 100 students in it. Um, right. What I knew needed to happen in the fall semester was we needed to have a recital sometime in mid-November, mm-hmm. right before the Thanksgiving break. And I knew that for the advanced students, that this was where they were going to be preparing most of their repertoire for the Royal Conservatory assessments in the spring. Love it. That was it. And of course, we had our weekend and, you know, we had our weekend week out lessons and that was its own routine. So I would just say that maybe a third thing was we just stick to the routine um, and we monitor how kids are feeling about things and that sort of thing. And then in the spring semester, we planned a spring recital, kind of, um, I called it the RCM recital because whatever the kids played for their RCM work. And again, most of the kids prepped in the spring because they were at lower levels. Right. Um, We had an RCM recital that was really only for the people who participated in the Royal Conservatory Music Assessments. And so it was the easiest recital in the world because these kids have been practicing these songs for months and they'd already Mm -hmm. gone through a much more rigorous experience, like being in front of that judge and, and having to prep and all that sort of thing. This was actually a piece of cake for them. That was like one of the lowest pressure recitals I've ever been involved in, including when I was a kid as well. <laughs> um, and uh, so that was just our vision. And then the vision for the summer was try to retain as many people as possible and try to um, fill as many camps as possible. That was it. That was the extent of the vision. Nate, given yeah. what you're, you've been saying here, how does that stack up? Does that meet your criteria for setting a good vision for the year? Um, what would you add to that? Yeah, I love that, Daniel. So I break vision into three categories. Mm. You nailed the first category, which is what does success look like for the student? Mm. So in your case, you were talking about really specifics. You were saying they need to show up to one or two recitals in a given year. And this is the this is the material they'll work on. And since you were doing the RCM method, it was really Awesome, because you could actually level the material appropriately. And so a student could move progressively through that material. That's badass. So for us, you know, I just, I already hinted at it, but our students in the private lesson program anyways, they're in a songwriting party. They're in a songwriting curriculum. It's 12 seasons long. We want our students to collaborate with X number of other students and then show up to two songwriting parties a year, having also recorded two songwriting videos a year. So that's it. That's the definition of the student success. Then we're going to set vision for the parent. What is the vision for a successful parent experience? Hmm. And so in us, for us at Brooklyn Music Factory, it's communicate consistently with that parent. Every week that they get a lesson report within 24 hours of the lesson, are the channels of communication wide open with this parent? Do they feel like they have a deepening relationship with the teacher? and with our community of staff, right? So we're setting a very simple vision, which is just get to know the parents of of your students. We'll literally say in our training days, one of the simplest things you can do between now and October 1st is learn the first name of at least one parent. Hmm. So basic, but it's oftentimes eluded. Like teachers don't know how to define success in developing relationship with a parent. Wow. Okay. I have to say before you jump to number three, Yo. if I asked a hundred student owners, Hey, what's your vision for the parent experience this school year? I bet 99 out of a hundred or possibly hundred out of a hundred would just say, Oh, I've never really thought of that before. <laughs> and I got to be honest, Nate, I think, in, I think 
I knew I had some objectives for how I dealt with parents, but I don't know if I ever wrote it down. I don't know if I ever caught, you know, wrote it into law in my studio. I don't know. if I didn't. So this is fascinating because oftentimes parents, and I just have to say it, if you go and look at the teacher forums, these sorts of things, parents are often painted as the bad guy. Oh, they're the ones who don't support right. me at home with the kids. Oh, they're the ones who do pay me late. Oh, they're yeah. the ones who make my life a lot harder. And yet you're saying, hey, let's write down a positive. Oh my gosh, I love this. You're saying, let's write a positive vision out and actually think on this throughout the entire school year. Love it. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's, and, and, and I, we simply asked the question as part of our training dates, which we're going to get to because that's one of the things we want to do. But mm-hmm. we just say, hey, let's, let's round table here as a group. What does a strong relationship with the family look and feel like? And that's the third one or is that the second that's one? Number two, that's, I'm just saying okay, we okay. ask the question because we want to make it clear that we're setting vision for a relationship with parents. Um, and if we have time, I'm going to read you a couple of emails I just got from some parents oh, at the that. end of the school year, because I think it really highlights what is possible in terms of developing relationships with these parents. So the third, the third is... Um, what does success look like as a team of teachers mm. and staff that are all supporting one another? Okay. So this is one of the, you and I have heard this so many times from our listeners, Daniel. I think we literally just got a, a, an amazing email from a listener, which we were so grateful for, which we, I think we might even do a whole episode around where the, where the, where the owner was just like, come on guys, Really? Can you actually have a whole group of teachers that all believe in something bigger than just showing up to teach lessons? And get a paycheck. Remember that? Yeah. Remember that? Yeah. Remember that? We got this a totally awesome email from someone. And again, it was just so good because anytime you're getting any one of you guys listening takes the time to write out really rich questions like that and be like really push back on the concepts, mm. it's valuable. So um, the third part of setting a vision as the owner is you have to say, like, hey, team, i.e my three piano teachers and me that are all running this studio together, how can we actually support one another over, over the course of the year so we all succeed? In other words, um, what materials, like, let me go to your example, Daniel. Mm-hmm. You're talking about your, your student success looks like X. You're saying, like, they go through the RCM, da 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 da, da. Well, as a team of teachers, it's super valuable when another teacher comes to me and says, hey, Nate, I've been really successful using this approach around this material. And I'm like, awesome. Um, okay, or in Brooklyn Music Factory's case, we're oftentimes sharing how we iterate certain big music games we play for different types of age groups and different types of learners. So basically the third category of setting vision is you as the founder have to say, hey, guys, as a team, we support one another and here's how we do it. Mm. Right. And so you can literally define success by things as basic as like, well, we all show up to the monthly all staff meeting because that's how we support one another. We all show up to our one on one check in with me, the private lesson director each month. Right. Um, So we just you can set really basic goals as a team for the vision for the year. So that's the three categories. The three categories of vision are. How does a student succeed over the course of the year? How do you, how do parents succeed? And then how do teachers or your team, how does your team succeed over the course of the year? Yes. And I will add in on that third one 
because I am the resident expert on how to uh, create a high margin studio with just one teacher. Um, <laughs> you know, you don't have a team if you're teaching alone. So, you know, what, what's that third category look like if you're a single teacher? And, and I have some input there. I'm going to make it really brief before we move on to our second, um, our set, second action item. Um, and that is my life significantly improved when I brought on an assistant and had like a team of part-time or micro-time people that supported the studio because the studio was making a lot of revenue. I had the cash in hand to outsource jobs that I didn't want to do anymore as the owner of the business so that I could really just focus on teaching what I really loved, um, working on, you know, working with those students. And um, I think, you know, you can have goals for what you want to have happen with that external team or that internal team, that support staff. You can have goals about what you want your relationships to look like throughout the year, what you want to get done, what you'd like to see added to the mix. Um, I was in uh, in one of Grow's uh, coaching programs earlier this week. I was with about a half dozen studio owners that work with me. And um, someone asked me, you know, what systems did your assistant run for you? And I went into great detail about how she ran this onboarding and offboarding system that really made parents feel great when they joined the studio. And mm. if, you know, if they left, they felt really good leaving the studio. And she was responsible for all these things that happened. I could probably spend an hour of an episode just explaining that. Um, and, uh, Uh, But those things didn't happen magically over time. I had a vision for like, well, what do I want my life to feel like? What do, what, what does this person who works with me, this team member, what's she really good at or what's he really good at um, and how could I utilize them best? So having a vision for how much better, you know, the studio could be your personal uh, quality of life could be if you bring other people in. And honestly, I think single teacher studios should have support staff hundred percent. You, um, yes. Yeah. And you, you hit it on the head. When we say set the vision for team, we don't mean only the teachers, of course, because no any any school of of that's been consistently running with a multi teachers with multi teachers knows that the teachers and the staff are equally important. Mm-hmm. Everybody yes. who's listening here that has a say, let's say has you know eight classrooms and twenty teachers, they are very clear. That that administrative support staff is just as important as your A plus teacher. Yeah, just try seeing. They they all know what happens when the front desk person calls in sick that day because you know they've got a a cold or pneumonia or something. How does the school run that day, and who has to cover? Yeah, yeah, totally. (laughs) Should we hit number two? Well, actually, before we hit number two, I think we should do something that we should have done at the very beginning. Okay. Let's briefly preview what all five of these things are so people have context of where we're moving to in the episode. So the first one was, let's set the vision of success. And let's just briefly bullet point what's two, three, four, and five. Yeah. Two is very straightforward. You have to map out your benchmark dates. Mm-hmm. That's a fancy way of saying have a crystal clear calendar. Okay. Everybody knows. Three is uh, training days. Ensure that you're actually committed to training in some fashion before you open your doors on opening day. Four is open channels of communication. So, I mean, literally take the action of opening them. And then five, this is the easiest and the most fun, have a party. You got to celebrate before you even open. Got it. Well, let's unpack these because there's value in 
there's value in the list itself. I think there's also value in teasing out exactly the reasons why we do each of these things. So Nate, number two, uh, let's get, let's get to it. So mapping out your benchmark dates in the year, like you were talking about, Daniel, you talked about a couple of obvious ones, recitals, like when are at BMF We're like, always just like, when are the gigs? This cannot be overstated because if you're in a studio that has multiple teachers that some of them just show up one or two days a week, you don't see them that often, et cetera. They're busy playing gigs, doing other things. This is so vital. At the beginning of the year, you have your entire calendar already defined. It's on one simple website page where any teacher can see it. And you've created Google Calendar invites for all of them for every important event. And guess what? Before they even start their first teaching day, they've already accepted the calendar invites to the the, the show next June. Mm -hmm. Right? So you as an owner must take the time to schedule every important date. Now, the obvious ones are gigs or recitals. The less obvious ones are things like your monthly all staff, things like your one-on-one check-ins, things like department meetings. You want to take the time to decide what the rhythm is, uh, what right, uh, what rhythm is correct for your organization, your mm. school, and then you want to get them on the calendar, and you want to get everyone to actually accept an invite and say, "Yes, I'm ready and willing and committed to show up to these things." Okay, so why mm. is that so valuable? Well, it's super valuable because. You're not just trying to get through the month of September. You've just set a vision for success that runs all the way through June or all the way through next August. So therefore, everyone needs to be committed in like committed literally to showing up to every benchmark date or event or meeting that's going to improve your chances of succeeding. I have to jump in here and say that this is where the rubber meets the road from the vision, like you just said. And for those that resist kind of that vision piece, um, I'm reminded of a quote I've probably said in this podcast before. What's talked about is a dream. What's envisioned is exciting. What is planned becomes possible, but only what is scheduled becomes real. And getting kids. So for me, the big thing every school year was these kids have to be ready for this RCM exam. I never want to put a child in a position where they're not ready and they have an, a devastating experience because I didn't prep them properly. I would start my high schoolers in September for the May exam. Love it. And I literally made a spreadsheet where I mapped out every week that how much, how much music each child needed to be learning when the various levels needed to be started. So for me, that scheduling process was critical because then I could just look at the spreadsheet like, oh, all my levels, all my level fours yeah. need to start this week picking their, their music. And then we start practicing it two weeks from now. So I give them these long lead times just, just to make sure that, that no one slipped through the cracks. I knew it wouldn't take most of them two weeks, but just in case. So, yeah. This, and that's such a, uh, that's another, again, a crushing example of how important it is to set success for your student and then actually to map it out. Like, I yeah. love that example. We've had um, faculty at BMF who show up with spreadsheets like that for every one of their students. And I'm just, I love it. That's now, at BMF, 
you know, again, we're a songwriting party. So we break our 15 week semesters into groups of five. The first five weeks we call launch and level. And these, these is exactly what you need to succeed. Uh, this is what you need to do over the course of the first five weeks with the student. You play a ton of games and you level them. You know exactly what level they are in every fluency of their big music games. And you know what level songwriting party they're going to work on for the season. Yeah. And then the second five weeks are what we call um, song prep. So they're literally just doing, they're learning the song. They're they're developing technique. They're being able to do an advanced version of whatever song they're doing. The next five weeks we call gig prep. It's obvious. It's called gig prep because you're getting ready to show up for a performance. Within those five weeks, by week two, you need to have recorded a music video of you actually performing your piece, right? So we're setting these little micro benchmarks like you're talking about in the RCM spreadsheet. You're talking about you have a high school student, you start them in September, you map them out, you already know where you want them to be by mid-November, yeah. right? For us, it's they need to have recorded this music video by mid-November. So these are perfect examples of student success benchmarks. How about um, parent success? How hmm. about team success? So, yeah. Before ahead. you jump to those, I, I just yeah. want to say, I think the reason why, even though you might not do RCM the way that I do, listener, I'm talking to listeners, you right. might not do RCM the way that I do. You might not do songwriting parties the way that Nate does. But what I hope you take away from these examples is the level of detail that is put into that scheduling. So when you're thinking about scheduling for the school year, it isn't like, oh, the recital will be there. Oh, Christmas break starts here. Yeah, that's like Mario level one, one. If you really <laughs> wanna get to the point where, where you're actually scheduling the success of your students, it really gets down, I think, into, into being that thoughtful and that insightful about what it takes to deliver the educational promise that you've made to families of your studio and to your community. And I would further add that, um, because I hear this excuse all the time with coaching clients. Well, Daniel, I barely have time to run the studio as is now. How do I have time to run the studio and do all the stuff that you're, you're, you're suggesting I do with this? And I say, the reason why it's taking you the amount of time it takes you to run the studio and get the result that you're getting, which you're not happy with, is because you're not doing this. It takes three times longer when you're in constant reaction mode. It, mm -hmm. and, and so, um, you know, obviously, I want to be sensitive to everybody's life situation. There's, you know, health issues come up, um, family situations come up. Like right now, I know of a client right now that's dealing with a, a major family situation and, and they're letting things slide in their studio on purpose. Obviously, I'm not talking those situations. Um, I'm talking like the, the average student owner I meet that feels underwater all the time. This level of detail of planning is actually counterintuitively the way out. Mm, and, and, and Daniel, if we could also just... Um, add a little more to the empathy bucket here. <laughs> That's know, why I have you on this podcast, Nate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's just that we've been doing this for a dozen years at the factory. And every year it gets a little bit more detailed, mm. a little bit simpler. It just yes. gets a little better. Yeah, we let go of a couple of the benchmarks that we thought were so vital, but it turns out really didn't actually have a return on them. Um, so anyways, you got to be patient with yourself. You have to allow yourself to mature year after year. Yes. It's not like I revisit this calendar every month. I'm just like, I sit down with Ben, our private lesson director. I sit down with Jessica, our director of family communication. And we're like, let's set the calendar. We set the yeah. calendar and then we have faith that it's going to deliver on our promise. And then we iterate again a year from now. I don't know about you, but I didn't get an owner's manual when I started my music school. 
and I wasted a lot of time on trial and error and making things up as I went along. But you don't have to do that. Nate and I are building a library of resources and tools exclusively for fans of this podcast. Go to growyourmusicstudio.com slash 7FMS and sign up to receive podcast updates, free resources, and even submit questions for us to answer on the podcast. That's growyourmusicstudio.com slash 7FMS. And we look forward to answering your questions. So Daniel, let me give one quick example for how you benchmark or schedule uh, success with a parent and also with the team. I'll start with the team because I already covered that with the team. Mm. Basically, you you benchmark success with the team by making sure that your department meetings, your all staff meetings, your one on ones, whatever you're committed to doing, is on the calendar, and that and your teachers and your staff have committed to showing up. That's mm. it. That's a really easy one. Test that nice. out for twelve months. Get back to us. Let us know what worked and what didn't. With the parents, we talked about this in a in a previous episode. Uh, for us, success with the parent is very simple. On a week-to-week basis, it's lesson reports going out consistently. And then on a seasonal basis, it's the musician's journey reports sent by a certain date. That's yeah. it. So, Otherwise, you know, they, they show up to the gigs. We relate to them there. So that's yeah. that. Yeah. And so the scheduling aspect of that looks just like, is it on the calendar or in a project management software that... that um, that they're due here. And maybe there's a reminder sent to an admin to two weeks before they're due to send a reminder email out or send multiple reminder emails out to the staff that they're coming up and that sort of thing. Like nothing happens by accident. And the bigger an organization gets, the more you really begin to feel that as the owner that, oh, oh man, this just happened. And this ball got dropped. Oh yeah. I guess I've just now learned that we have to have a reminder sent to that staff member. Well, who's going to send the reminder? And how are we going to remind the person who sends the reminder to send the reminder? Like, you have to get to this level of crazy detail. Um, (laughs) So, But you already said it earlier. For example, if you want all your teachers to write a musician's journey report, schedule a writing party. Put it on Mm. your Google calendar now for next April. And just say, hey, guys, by the way, in April... For the, in the first week of April, we all write our musicians' journey reports, and we're having a writing party for two hours each day that week. Just mm. put it in the books, and then you'll remember. I don't remember when the writing party is. Dude, I have no idea when it is. I just made up first week of April. I only know because it shows up on my calendar. Hmm. Um, okay, let's move on to number three, shall we? Yeah, so before we hit number three, so we've set the vision, and this probably happens hopefully sometime at the beginning of the school year or prior to it. You, you map out your benchmark dates. So this probably involves a school owner sitting down with a spreadsheet or the calendar or the project management software or probably all three and, and just starting to turn this vision into reality by actually scheduling things that will make those outcomes that you envisioned in part one or in step one, you actually schedule out the things that will make those come true. Um, so number three is what? Training. Training, training, training. Schedule some training days before you open your doors. It can be asynchronous. It can be, uh, you know, virtual. It can be in-person. It can be a combination of all three. That's what we do at Brooklyn Music Factory. But we essentially have on the books that all of our teachers that are returning in the fall know about now a handful of, well, we used to do three training days. I think we're down to now two training days where we bring people together. We probably do one day, which is 
online and one day, which is in person. Now, right? when you say before you open your doors, I'm assuming like before the fall schedule begins, you guys don't shut down during the summer. No, no, no. We have our, we have a camp going during the summer. We okay. also offer private lesson packages, but then okay. we always close our doors for between um, Labor Day and opening day. So we make wow. sure we're closed. We go dark for seven days because those seven days leading up to the opening of our school are where we really look internally and make sure we bring everyone together. We make sure all everybody's aligned. And this is when our training happens. So you're willing to sacrifice 2% of your yearly schedule mm, yes. to make sure that that this upcoming school year is going to run correctly. 100% because the mm. thing is, is that you want, when you hit the starting, you're on the starting blocks. When they fire the gun and you start the race, you want everybody to be moving at a, the similar pace. You want everybody mm. to be get, getting out at the right pace and, and all very clear on how they succeed. So these training days, you know, we should absolutely do an episode just on what happens within those training days. But just to be clear, you're going to have some teachers that are veteran. You're going to have some teachers that are new. You're basically going back to that vision piece, defining success, but having the veteran teachers, giving them responsibility to start sharing and training the new teachers on what success looks and feels like. Hmm. In those training days is exactly when we go over lesson planning. We have do now, we have like three hour blocks where everybody plans out the first four weeks of lessons. Um, we have, we play lots of games together. We, we all uh, go over that launch and level first five weeks and say, okay, how do we level returning students versus new students? Uh, we cover really mundane stuff like makeup policy. Again, we go over the whole calendar year. We make sure everybody's in the calendar there and committed. Um, we go over things like family communication, you know, the five most frequently asked questions from parents how you as a teacher respond. It just goes on and on, but there's a really rich uh, curriculum that we go through over a couple of days and it hasn't changed that much over mm. the last five years, mm. right? Yes. Now, I imagine someone could hear everything you were just talking about and they're either A, furiously scribbling notes like, oh, I should cover that. Oh, I should cover that too. I should cover that. Let me give a tip. If you do have a team of teachers that works for you, Go to, go to them or send an email out or solicit anonymous feedback and say, hey, what, what do you wish that you could get more support on in your teaching or as an employee here or as a contractor here at the school that you feel like you haven't? Um, what topic would you love me to, you know, would you love for me or a department head to cover? In terms of, oh, you know, everyone seems to struggle with this concept or um, what do you wish was more clear? How do you wish things ran better around here? Or, or um, just soliciting that feedback, because uh, I know a lot of times as I talk to, again, I talk to tons of school owners every single month. Um, mm. A lot of times they're just not even sure. Like, well, I'm not even sure what to do. I, I, I wouldn't even know what to say in a meeting like that. Well, Nate just listed off a bunch of things. and. And your staff could do that. Your, your staff could tell you what the curriculum should be. And then all you have to do is read that and it'll come to the surface. Like, oh, I know exactly how to answer that question. Or I know exactly how to address that concern or issue. Or, ooh, I didn't know they felt that way. Holy cow. Well, I need to put this into place. This should be a new policy for the team. 
And I need to announce that. Oh, that training week would be the perfect place to announce it. Yes, I love that. You can't overstate how important your team, your teachers and your staff are to deciding what actually matters, mm. right? In terms of, and you don't know what they don't know unless you ask them. Yes. You also don't know what they want to share with other teachers unless you ask them. Yes. Right? You only pretty much know what your observation is, which is super valuable, but it's only one piece of the puzzle. Um, so I love that input. And here's the last thing about the training days. And then I think we can move on because if people, you know, we're, we're definitely going to get some, some emails about this. People are going to be like, tell me more about what you do to train and how to survey teachers and da, 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 all of which would be awesome. We'd love those questions. But the last thing I'll say um, on the training is that you're actually setting up, again, the standard at which your school operates in those training days. And then if you do it well, you're also being vulnerable as an owner in sharing how you arrived at such clarity on what matters. And the vulnerability piece is huge because then your teachers, especially your new ones, will come back and ask for help. Hmm. And you know you're doing, you know you're starting your school year well if your teachers consistently ask for guidance, right? You want to know in the next two, three, four weeks that you're getting questions. Mm -hmm. If you're not getting questions, that's a huge red flag. <laughs> okay. okay. That's the last thing I'll say about the training days. You're setting okay. everyone up to ask one another for help as the school year begins as well. Okay. So on the timeline, we've you know, probably in the summer set the vision for success, mapped out the benchmarks, which includes that training week or training day, depending on what your school wants to do. You've now actually had the training days. Um, number four, where does that fall in? What is it? Tell us about number four. Yeah. Number four is really simple. It's just opening the channels of communication. Who do you speak to for what answer? So in other words, I just touched on it before. And this is just as simple as a one sheet. Literally in your GDoc, you just say, hey, do you ever have a question about scheduling a makeup lesson? Here's who you talk to. Do you have a schedule? Do you have a question about um, taking time off? Here's who you talk to. It's just making sure that those channels of communication are wide open. So in order, again, we're talking about how to start your school year right. So one of the ways you want to um, start it right is making sure that people know exactly on what, uh, who to talk to when, and on what channels. So for example, we use Slack exclusively at BMF, unless we're communicating with families, in which case we use Gmail, okay? So if you have a question, there's a specific Slack channel for that question, hmm. okay? Now, obviously that's an ongoing training, right? So when, you're in, when we're in our songwriting party season, we have very specific Slack channels around um, the songwriting parties right? Age-specific Slack channels around songwriting parties so you can ask about your five-year-old or your six-year-old. Dig it. But at the beginning of the year, it's just around making sure that everybody's like, oh yeah, cool. I feel like I'm working for an organization that is organized. Hmm. And communication is a huge piece. We hear all the time, Daniel, from owners that feel like they just have a bunch of contractors and nobody's talking to anybody. Hmm. Right. We've heard that so many times. Teachers yes. saying teachers that only show up to teach and then that's the one and only time they ever hear from them. Well, part of fixing that issue 
is establishing the open channels of communication from the outset. Yeah. Being like, hey, and this sound is this is not abstract, by the way. This is very clear. Hey, Zoe, do you have a teaching question about our methodology? If you do, you can always go to Ben, our private lesson director. And by the way, I'm always available too. Nate, as the founder, just come to me. You can hmm. DM me on Slack. I'll always get back to you within 24 hours. Yes. I think one of the things that impressed me about BMF when I when you all hired me to work with you all was that, um, uh, so, you know, I guess if this is someone's first time listening to podcasts, I probably should give a little context. Um, if this is their first episode. Um, so several years ago, Nate and company brought me in to work on the marketing wing of BMF. And um, I, I contributed there. Um, and one of the first things you did was add me to your marketing Slack channel. And I had already been using Slack in my own business. But to see the, I mean, it was communication amongst many different people in the school throughout the day, every day. I actually had to turn my notifications off. I was getting so many notifications from the different team members. Now, of course, you know, you all had 25, 30 people working there at the time. Um, so there was going to be a lot of communications. And you invited me into the other channels as well. Just like, hey, I want you to see how the school runs. And right. um, I've never seen another school do that. I've mm -hmm. never, um, and I'm not saying that, you know, that you're not out there. And in fact, if you use Slack in your school or another uh, communication channel that's dedicated entirely to your school, I, wa I want you to email me before the day is out. I'd love to talk to you. Um, because nice. I think it's fascinating to meet school owners that that run things in in a in in a way that a lot of um, other business businesses and other industries run things you know very efficient ways or using best practices learned from all across the business world. Um, irrespective, I just wanted to you know interject that little thing there because this isn't this you know this number four could seem a lot smaller than number the first three in this list, but you know Nate you you elevated this to say that. Again, how are you going to get that student success happening? How are you going to make sure that parents are being communicated to properly? Well, that's not going to happen unless this team is talking to one another and that there's constant internal feedback as to whether you all are hitting your targets or not, whether you're actually delivering on the vision or not. And, and you have to have people talking if you're going to do that. Yeah, I love it. Can I give you a couple examples? Because we're right in the you know, we're in a in the uh, season at Brooklyn Music Factory where we're wrapping up our re-enrollment for the fall. So it's June right now when we're recording this. And so we're finished. There's a lot of talk amongst teachers, Jessica, our director of family communication enrollment, um, Ben, our private les lesson director, me as a founder. There's a lot of talk amongst the teachers around where a student should go next. There's also some messages from parents that maybe... They're, they're questioning what to do next, right? And if you get this open channel of communication right, you'll get what some of the slacks I've received. Like I've just got a slack from Greg uh, yesterday who's like, hey, here's the dad of a student who's been at BMF for years, and he's really concerned actually about his journey. He's wondering what should happen next in, 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 in his journey because he was in the band program for years and then he took some time off. And, and from his perspective, he was sort of left out of the development there. What can we do? I'm bringing up this story, Daniel, because that's an example of an open channel of communication. That's a teacher that's reaching out to me, Jessica, 
Ben and saying, hey, let's group think this. What's the solution for this student? That's an example of success around open channels of communication. It's not all, yay, we're doing great, and here's the next cool project we're working on. Sometimes it's like, hey, we've got problems. But if you're doing communication well, those problems come to you in an optimistic way, and they come to you consistently, hmm. right? Okay, so now on to the final piece. Can we go to number five, Daniel? Uh, yes, this should be a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a lot of fun, and it's very simple. The fifth most important thing you can do to start your day, uh, year off right, rather, is have a party. Celebrate, right? So people are going to be like, what? We haven't even actually had a lesson yet. It's <laughs> 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 premature. Yeah, isn't it premature? Okay, here's, it's definitely not premature because here's the thing. If you set your vision well, okay, if you um, set those benchmark dates, if you have just gone through a training day or training hours or a training couple days, if you've made it really clear about who does what and how you're going to communicate effectively all year long, that is actually a lot of work already, and you haven't even gotten to opening day. And so as a team, you need to actually celebrate that you're all committed to this thing, to the work you just did. Um, and so it doesn't have to be complicated. It could, For us, it's literally just at the end of a training day. We just okay. go, yeah, we just go across the street to the brew pub. We just open up the tab, get some get some pizzas, and we just hang out. And a lot of the chatter is just about what we just went through or nervous talk about what's coming next when we open up a couple days later. Mm. You know, but it's super simple, right? Yes. Now, <clears throat> um, you want to include teachers. You want to include all the staff. You want to include as many people as you can get there. Like when you were talking about Daniel having like hiring an administrative support person or two, you want to include them, of course, right? Because you've set a vision. You're like, here's the vision for how we're going to succeed at this music school. And every one of you are integral to it. Hmm. So this is just a way as a founder or as an owner of saying, I appreciate you, 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 and I'm willing to spend a couple hundred bucks on beer and pizza to show you, right? Hmm. It's an action you can take. And by the way, it's really fun to do. Hmm. <laughs> so like, yes. Like you got to have some fun. It can't yeah. all be like driving towards some mission statement that just feels like, you know, purposeful work. No, it also just has to be a party. Yeah. You got to have a good time. Yes. And I think speaking of the mission statement, you know, as we begin the second season and we have big plans and, and we've thought of ways that we can kind of expand on what we did in the first season and inject some novelty in how we do some episodes and perhaps see more guests and things of that nature. I think this is a good time to reflect on, you know, the, the body of work that you and I have put out already. And, and it's this. Mm -hmm. This has really been a chronicling of looking at your school, my school other schools that we've worked with from many different angles. And, and I know people realize this, but I can't think of a better way to say this, but we're not making this up. When, when we were talking about how to hire way back in the first 10 episodes, and we stressed here, it's so important that you have a vision because you're getting them on board an outcome that you want these kids to have. 
Well, now here we are in episode, what is this, 34, I think? Mm. Now here we are in episode 34, and we're talking about scheduling out and making that vision real. Like, these aren't just some fancy ideas that we thought we would talk about on the podcast. We're, this is the lived experience of a couple different school owners. And, 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 and you're seeing like uh, um, little snapshots of how this all plays out. But this isn't, this isn't just content for content's sake. This, this is really just a documentation of the different things that we did. And, and, and you're seeing snapshots of this cohesive system, both in BMF, um, it, you know, schools that, that we bring on and, and, and are talking to, like Brian last season, um, and how he was kind of living out a vision of how to market a school based on his background, uh, my studio, and then a lot of examples that we're bringing in from you know clients that I've worked with over the years and that we're working on together now in our mastermind. So um, I, I just you know I just want to you know stress that here as as we begin another five or six month run of episodes that that um, this really is coming from the heart from us and you know our sincere desire our vision for this podcast is to just make life a little bit easier and business a little bit more fun in this industry um mm. that uh, you and i've been working in for collectively i mean i don't even want to think of the number of years <laughs> that we've been in this collectively um but yeah I, I think that's my uh encouragement and and my heart as we go into the second season Hey, it's Nate again. You know, every year at Brooklyn Music Factory, we get dozens and dozens of great reviews from our families. And you want to know how? Because we ask them. And they're happy to leave a review because of the positive impact that we've made on them. And so now I have a simple ask for you. If this podcast, the 7FMS podcast, was helpful to you, Would you mind leaving a review for Daniel and I? And please share the podcast with another music school owner that you think might benefit. It's one of the best ways that you can support us. We appreciate it.